It's winter, and you can now get almost anything you need for the coldest months of the year delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a ski slope delivered, but you can get dish soap delivered. Sunshine, that's a no. But a bottle of wine, that's a yes. A snow angel, sorry, no. But angel hair pasta, Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol and select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. Too bad. I've been back a week, so just just over my jet lag. So oh, yeah, looking forward to this season. You brought the sunny weather with you back to Greater Manchester. It looks like that's very good to know. But I think you actually might have brought some of the stormy weather with you as well, because yeah, my house is certainly can put it that way. So I'm not best pleased. And also with us today is Mr. Sai Mikowski. Sai, how's it going? Yeah, very well. Not as smart as you, but we move. <laughs> We do, we do, certainly, indeed. And as I just mentioned there, Joe is back from America. We haven't managed to catch up with you, Joe, um, in the week since you've been back due to shift patterns and whatnot. But So we haven't managed to talk to you about the final game in Green Bay, which you were at. Um, if, quickly, before we move on to today's big kind of Premier League preview, um, what was that kind of final match like for a City perspective? I know, I know we've kind of moved on a bit from it now, but you were there in the flesh. What, what were your kind of impressions from the match itself? And if you want to touch a bit in the Community Shield as well, please do feel free. Well, the game itself was sort of 12 minutes long, wasn't it? After the, the big storm delay after that, it was reduced and I don't think the quality was very good. I don't think Bayern were very good. City was sort of basically just trying to get, get to the end, I thought. But obviously, we got to see Erling Haaland for the first time. He was better in Green Bay than he was in the Community Shield. But, I mean, we were just looking at the storm. We were about seven stories up at, at the top of Lambeau Field and you could see this incredible lightning storm and rain going five or six different directions. And I, I was amazed that the game restarted. But by the end, by the time we came out, you wouldn't have known there was a storm there. So it was a, it was an incredible sort of occasion. It's probably not the best pre-season warm-up game you want with a bit, you know, two disruptions, going back in the dressing room, warming up, small halves, only five minutes at half-time. It's, it's not what Guardiola would have wanted, but he got to see a few few different patterns. Obviously, Haaland got his got his goal, got off to a good start. Josh Wilson-Hesbaum was very good. Um, and then they took that into the community shield, which wasn't as good. But I think, it, I think we've got to put that down to fitness. And I'm sure he spoke about it the other day. Um, Liverpool had a much uh, more comprehensive pre-season. Virgil van Dijk said it after the game. It was like City just looked fatigued. And I think that was right. I think you could see them tiring by the end. And it was Liverpool deserved the win. City won't read too much into it. And uh, they'll be much better much better shape for the uh, West Ham game on, on Sunday. Absolutely. Um, before we move on from your trip in America, any more dispatches from food hatches for us? Uh, the, the food towards the end was pretty minimal the 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 food at the, at the game was all right it was like ribs and uh, and pulled pork but after that I, I had various delays so it was basically airport food which was less good uh, so i'm afraid that it dipped off towards the end of the week 
that's a shame. And dispatches from food hatches is dead for another year, but no doubt in next preseason we'll get to more of it. But you know, preseason has ended now, pretty much. We are just um, four days away, five days away at this point from City getting the Premier League campaign underway. Of course, the season does start on Friday. Um, Sai, we talked a bit um, on Monday's episode about where City are, but you know, how are you feeling for City ahead of this new season? It does seem like City and Liverpool are the two top dogs once again, especially with Chelsea having quite quite the weird summer, to put it mildly. Um, do you see any anyone else from the the big six, inverted commas, kind of coming up to challenge them too? Or is it just going to be City and Liverpool again, kind of leading the way? Not really. I think City and Liverpool were, were so far ahead of everyone else that they will continue to be ahead of everyone else. Um, Chelsea seem to have regressed a bit into madness this summer. Um, Tottenham looked to have improved. Arsenal, all the signs are positive, but it, it, it's Arsenal at the end of the day and they always tend to sort of have as many bad spells as good spells. And um, yeah, United, a lot of positive noise at the start of their summer, less so now. Um, it's kind of descended again. And uh, I think that I think that's it. Like a lot of the other top six rivals, it's like two steps forward and one back, whereas City and Liverpool just kind of don't take any backward steps. Yeah, definitely. I think, Joe, like from looking at the just going through the transfers, it does seem like of all the teams who may kind of step up a bit and maybe at least challenge from my perspective, I do think Tottenham might have a bit in them. Um, we'll get on to our predictions and whatnot later, but they have strengthened. On the on the face of it, they seem they appear to have strengthened well. Even Perisic, despite being old, is a really canny operator, really good player. Jed Spence, of course, really highly rated after um, his season on loan at Forest, getting them promoted. They've also brought in uh, Basuma, Richarlison, um, Clement Longley from Barcelona, and um, Fraser Forster as a reserve goalkeeper. So they have really have kind of strengthened throughout the squad. Of all, and Conte now get really got his kind of grips on the team now after a kind of season in charge seems to have maybe after the the first few months of last season didn't like it all the trust was had been placed in him but he's kind of earned that respect I'd say now after getting them into the Champions League places um that may well be what the thing that kind of hamstrings them because Kante never really does well in Europe and looks to kind of bin it off at the first opportunity but I think of all the teams below him it does seem like Tottenham would be the ones who'd be the closest to maybe bridging that gap yeah, I was looking at the chances before and they're, they're the ones that stand out. I'm not convinced people like Richarlison and Bissouma are going to become world beaters overnight, but what they do is sort of take away the best player of another team. So it increases your chances a little bit of getting those three points that they might have dropped last season. And I think that's the sort of signing that City and Liverpool have done quite well in recent years. So if, if Tottenham are doing that, they've obviously got a summer working a summer more working under Antonio Conte and we saw how much he improved them last season. Obviously, they did very, very well against City as well. They've clearly got stronger. They've addressed areas that they think are weaker. I think they could be the ones to sort of uh, make, I mean, obviously the top four, aren't they? But maybe break into the the top three now and and, and go on and, and challenge because, as you say, for all the, the business that Chelsea and Arsenal have done, I think those two might take a little bit of time and they've had good purchases, but they've also let a few players go that might need a bit of uh, a bit of time to get used to that. But I think Tottenham might be the most balanced of those sort of chasing pack. 
Yeah, I think Arsenal's an interesting interesting one side. Arteta's been getting some stick over the last 24 hours as clips from the new uh, All or Nothing documentary uh, dripple out. Um, he had them training with uh, You'll Never Walk Alone in the background, I believe, to get prepared for Liverpool for a match that they went on to lose 4-0. So, um, you know, he's getting a bit of stick here and there, but he has definitely improved Arsenal. And the signings they've made, most notably, of course, Gabriel Jesus and Alex Zinchenko from City. Now, I think it's kind of... Um, from City's perspective, it's kind of it seems like City are almost dismissing Arsenal by and, and we talked at length in, in, in the previous how they want standing players way. It's quite admirable how they don't kind of look past that. But I think it does strike me that they wouldn't sell important players to teams who are direct rivals to that extent. You wouldn't see Liverpool. You won't see them, for instance, selling Sterling to Liverpool. You can't really imagine. So, Zinchenko and Jesus, I think they, they are two players who are going to improve Arsenal. We know the kind of coaching methods Arteta employs. Do you see them potentially kind of making another step up or is it still just not enough squad quality when you look at them compared to City and Liverpool, of course? Yeah, I think, you know, both players have gone because they enjoy Arteta's coaching and, you know, you football is a results game at the end of the day and... You know, it's a big if because they lost 4-0, but it was, a, you know, it was a close game for a while at Anfield and had they got a result, then that clip would be coming out and everyone would be saying what a genius Mikel Arteta was for such inspirational tactics. So it's, you know, that that is what it is, but people people on the internet like to have fun, don't they? Um, yeah, it, it's one of them. I sort of, I liked what Arsenal were doing right until they blew top four last season. Um, it's see. Every time you think it's coming together for Arteta, it doesn't. And every time you think it's falling apart, it comes back together. Um, they're sort of a bit like what um, Roy Hodgson under Palace used to do, where they used to like win six, lose six, win five, lose four, and end up on 40 points every year. Um, I, I sort of can see Arsenal maybe challenging for top four again, but I don't think they'll be in a title race because they, they've not got the consistency like I spoke to Julian Lascott last season and he was like which teams can win 10 games in a row those teams will be in the title race and for me there's still only two teams that that can um and that's why it'll be between City and Liverpool again mm-hmm. yeah of course and there is one unknown in that top kind of six teams the one team who have changed the manager who has looked to kind of radically change things in the summer is, of course, John Manchester United. They've brought in Eric Ten Hag after their worst ever Premier League campaign last year um, on the lowest ever points tally. From what we've seen in pre-season so far, he does look to have kind of immediately changed the way United are playing. They're certainly playing a lot more... Um, with a, it's, it's, When the bar's so low, it's you know it's almost easy to see it. But they had, honestly, you can see it now that they had absolutely no kind of structure or tactical plans last year or if they were being given them they certainly weren't following them the players um, and the few and the, the limited evidence we've seen so far under Ten Hag they are United are playing with a bit more um, patience in the build up they clearly the attackers know clearly know where they need to be what they're doing how to actually structure and build attacks rather than just kind of giving it to the talented players and hope they kind of conjure, uh, conjure something up there does seem to be a plan now Ten Hag seems to be bit of a disciplinarian, as we say, an actual proper coach, something that they've not had now for, for, for quite a while, um, shockingly. Um, the season hasn't gone to plan, uh, the summer hasn't gone to plan in terms of all the recruitment they want. They've only brought in Martinez, Ericsson and Malassia. But they are players who, well, at least on Ericsson and Martinez, we kind of hope 
are really good players, look to would improve the starting eleven if they do get in it, and if not, definitely improve the squad. Still need a lot. Ronaldo's future's up in the air as well. How how do you see kind of United doing this year, and how it relates to maybe challenges City, if not over the season in the actual Premier League, over maybe knockout games if they come up against each other, and you know the derbies that we'll have in the forthcoming campaign. I've got no idea. I, I think predicting Manchester United at the moment you know, over the last few years is is a foolish thing because you don't know what team's going to turn up in in any game. Um, I think if you offered them a top four challenge and maybe a cup and, and a bit of progression sensible United fans would would snap your hand off. I think they need to stick with Ten Hag for at least a couple of years, even if your first season or two might not be as successful as you want. I think United fans always want success immediately, but I think they've got to maybe realise that success will come over time and they had the greatest manager of all time because he was given a lot of time to, to build that and, and rebuild. So if they've gone with Ten Hag... The early signs seem okay from a sort of coaching perspective, as you say. I think they need to give him time, let him develop a, a side, really get do do what sort of Pep did really, and because his first season wasn't great at City, wasn't it? And but he got those ideas in place, so then the second season he could really kick on. I think you you won't find many United fans wanting to copy City, but maybe they they should be doing in in that respect and accept that this season you're not going to be in a title race but it could be a really important season for getting some ideas in place and you, you never know we might build a team that have a bit of fight about them that are a bit more competitive in the derbies against City against Liverpool those sort of games that that might well then go on and have a knock-on effect on on the title race so I don't think they should be ruled out or underestimated but I also don't think they'll be troubling City for for the title. What have you made of United so far Somerset? Remember when Ralph Rangnick took over and United passed the ball and pressed for half an hour against Crystal Palace? I think I like, think it was 45 minutes to be fair. 45 minutes, yeah. I think they got a half over it. And everyone said, you know, this is the, the Rangnick revolution. And then it all went to nothing, to rubble. Um, it, well done. It doesn't... Well, it, doesn't <laughs> it doesn't feel quite like that, but it feels like there was a lot of optimism when... Uh, Ten Hag took over um, and it felt like there was a lot of you know, like Joe says kind of moved towards where City were in 2016 and then since it kind of unravelled and this sort of they've wanted to sign De Jong all summer and it's a big fat mess with Barcelona um, Dean Henderson's gone on loan and absolutely coated him off uh, Ronaldo didn't stay for the friendly and the managers had a big go at him so it, it suddenly seems like there are big, big questions in the United team as well. And having sort of moved away from this idea of we need to not have this like Sir Alex Ferguson figure, they've now appointed a guy from Ajax and basically who's picked like everyone from everyone who's played in the Eredivisie has become like number one target for United. Um, when they don't actually have that successful a sort of rate of coming across to the Premier League and doing well. So it feels like a lot of gambles for United and a lot of things that they said they were moving away from that they've kind of regressed to. Um, so I would like to think from looking at um, the, I've not seen much of them, but you know, they look to be doing sort of passing triangles and um, organised play, the things that 
you know, we, we've not seen from them for so long. So you'd like to think they'd be more organised. But equally, Ten Hag does not seem like a man who will be bothered about causing a fuss and upsetting big names. And will he be given the power to do that at United? Um, I, yeah, for me, there's just far too many big questions. They might be able to turn it on in, in a game or two, but I, I don't think they'll be anywhere near challenging. No, I, I can't see it after a year. And it's certainly going to be another interesting year watching and, of course, covering United for the season because, you know, drama is never far away. Even the summer's been topsy-turvy. And, you know, the final top six team that we've got to discuss um, is Chelsea. They're, they're having quite quite the weird summer. Of course, they signed Sterling from City. Whoever, you know, it looked to be a, a great deal for them. Um, 47 million for such a great player is not not bad at all. They've gone on to since had Kaladu Kilabale and... I, I'm sorry, I can't say his name. The young lad from Aston Villa, Kane, Chuck Wemeka, I'm going to go with. Well, hopefully that's not too bad. And then a reserve goalkeeper from Chicago Fire called Gabriel Slonina. That's even harder. Slonina. <laughs> um, that's so Kepa can um, finally bring the worst transfer of all time to a, to a merciful end. Um, it, it seems really strange what's going on at Chelsea, Joe. I mean, it just seems all over the place. They seem to be signing every defender under the sun as we've as we finished recording almost to the minute last week after I wrote on Cucurella, Chelsea's interest kind of became known. Um, they looked to have kind of leapfrogged City from um, looking outside, looking into that. Trying to get Cucurella, I believe they're after Kyle Walker-Peters from Southampton as well. So Tuchel just looks like he'll be playing eight at the back um, um, come the start of the season. But all does not seem well at Chelsea, even though this looked to initially be a bit of optimism after their ownership situation got started early on. Well, yeah, I think if you look at those signings, the decent signings, but it's the players who've who've left. So they've lost Aspilaqueta, who's proven himself to be very, very good over a long, long number of seasons. Uh, I think Marcos Alonso is he is he going as well? So they, they need those those new. I fullbacks. think Aspilaqueta is still there for now. I think Alonso. Is he, is, I think, I think, no, he's not. I think Barcelona oh, are just like with everything uh, else they're doing. My bad. Yeah, Christiansen's yeah. gone. Uh, no, but you are right, there, was talk, there was talk of Aspilaqueta, wasn't there? And yeah. I, I think they will need a, a replacement at some time, um, but yeah, clearly there's there's talk of players wanting to go and, and and not staying. And obviously the Lukaku thing was crazy, signing a player for 100 million and letting him go for 10 on loan, which is like what 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 was that about that that year? Um, but again, Raheem Sterling's going to you would expect will be a, a success wherever he plays. I, I think going forward they'll be all right. Koulibaly, I think. There's a reason City wanted him in the past. He's, he's going to be an OK defender, probably a, a decent replacement for, for Rudiger. I, I don't think that would be too bad. I, I can see them getting top four. But yeah, there, there, there are a lot of question marks. I think the, the new takeover has, has given a bit of um, a, a little bit of a sort of uncertainty and sort of a few players who might have been wanting to leave have, have, have looked at that and there's maybe not been a, a comprehensive plan of, of getting players in. And then, of course, if, if they get Mark Cucurella, then that has an impact on City as well, doesn't it? Of course, and they're also being linked with Frankie de Jong now as well. So it just seems yeah. like they are trying to get whoever um, the, their rivals want. It's certainly a weird one over at Stamford Bridge, sir. Yeah, certainly from uh, the negotiations that they've had from for Sterling and Ake at City have been chaotic. Um, and that seems to have applied to their transfer market in general. There's been a lot of buzz around players and 
even like Cucurella came from nowhere and then was done and now oh isn't done actually um and you know there was sort of talk they were going they they wanted Koundé and then Koundé went to Barcelona and it was like oh well Tuchel doesn't think that um Koundé is tall enough actually to play at centre-back and now yeah oh Tuchel thinks that Cucurella could play centre-back you think like what what is going on um and then you see the pre-season games and you listen to Tuchel speak and he is not happy at all. Um, so, you know, Chelsea under Roman Abramovich embraced the chaos and, you know, they sacked the manager halfway through a season and won the Champions League not once but twice. So <laughs> you don't think that it will ever go that wrong and they had a very good team last year. But at the same time, like I say, City and Liverpool always move forward. So you've got to move forward with them to um to stay with them and I'm not sure Chelsea have moved forward this summer because there's been so much upturn and upheaval and uncertainty and that's kind of to be expected with the takeover but but it has been pretty chaotic even for Chelsea. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'd even gotten some of their pre-season performances yet. And as you say, Tuchel does not like a happy bunny there in the slightest. But kind of looking at the Premier League as a whole, Joe, it's it's been a weird summer because it feels like, again, there's been lots of money going around. But when you like look at some of the signings a lot of the teams made, it doesn't look like many teams have improved, especially like the teams that have come up. Bournemouth, they've just signed Marcus Tavernier from Middlesbrough, but haven't done much to improve their squad. It's hard to see them staying up, not to spoil what's to come later. I think Villa did a lot of their business done earlier. They look to have done all right, getting uh, Bubakar Kamara, who'd been repeatedly linked with the big Manchester clubs and Diego Carlos, kind of looking like Gerrard's just trying to get big money players in to do as well as soon as possible. And Brentford has ever looked like they've kind of strengthened smartly. Aaron Hickey looks to be a, a decent um, young player. I've just seen they've signed a player from Bolton, which I had no idea about. So that's a weird one. And also added Ben Mee. But then you look you're kind of closer, further down. The likes of Everton have just basically gone to Burnley squad and added that. So it doesn't pour well for them. Um, Leeds have added a lot of players who, you know, maybe Luis Sinestra at Sintera from Feyenoord could be good, but not no names kind of jump right at the hat. Leicester have signed no one, the only team in Europe not to have done so, I believe, in the top five leagues. Um, Wolves have only signed one player. Newcastle have not delivered the kind of exciting summer you'd all hope when they had so much money to play with. Um, it, to me, it strikes me as like it might not be the most, you know, purse strings might be a bit tight at present. It, but I don't know if maybe there's no need to strengthen and spend loads of money. Maybe that's a good thing. But it does strike me as like a lot of teams may well take a step back this year. And it might be quite the race for the bottom three this year. There's a lot of candidates to go down. Yeah, because obviously we're going to go on to the sort of predictions and I was I was looking at the teams and I was thinking, like, okay, these are my three to go down and then actually no, because maybe, like, as you say, like t- teams haven't really strengthened. I, I, I wonder if it's, obviously the a lot of teams are sort of being a bit more careful with money, but I wonder, I wonder if the World Cup's got any anything to do with it. People just aren't sure what's going to happen this season. So maybe sticking with what you've got might be a better option I don't know but then obviously as City always say you, you kind of want to keep refreshing and keep uh, keep bringing in new blood and I think City and, and Liverpool have, have done that and I think the the teams that will end the top of the season at the top of the table are the ones who've probably been the cleverest in the transfer market and you look at as you mentioned Leicester who haven't made a sign and you can see them 
not really impressing. They might now lose Casper Michael, I think, is, mm-hmm. is the latest rumour. So that's right. Yeah, I think they're going to be. You've got teams like them and Southampton haven't really impressed in the in the market. Leeds have lost the two best players. It, it might be quite quite close at the bottom, and there might be a sort of a bigger divide than we're used to between sort of the top seven, eight, nine teams and, and the rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you mentioned Southampton. I actually think they might have done them like kind of low key some really good business. Joe Aribo from Rangers is a great player, and I think he'll take to the Premier League really well. They've also signed a couple from City and Romeo Lavia. And, of course, Gavin Bazunu, And it's going to be very intriguing to see how he gets on because I'm a little bit surprised City let him go. I, I presume they've got ways to get him back if he goes out and impresses very well. But he looks to be a, a brilliant keeper. It'd be good to see kind of if he can make the jump. But, yeah, sorry, like it doesn't look like... It's a weird. It's been a weird summer. I kind of look at Forest as well, but in contrast, they've made about 12 signings. But with new teams coming up, it can it can be difficult when you can change a winning team all in one fell swoop. Yeah, um, it, it's, it's really hard when you come up to, from the Championship to, to stay up. And uh, Fulham have only made a few signings and Marco Silva is absolutely fuming. Is it Marco Silva at Fulham? Thought so, good. Um, yeah, he's absolutely furious that they've only made a few signings. Um, whereas Forrest have made loads, but loads isn't necessarily the way to... Um, to do it either it's you just have to find that magic formula that no one can tell you what it is um but yeah like joe was saying about the world cup i think maybe certain players have not been as keen to move this summer because they don't want to kind of disrupt themselves ahead of the world cup and they don't want to kind of lose that guaranteed game time i mean was the united timber my axe yeah who um wisely told to stay well away um (laughs) so yeah, I don't think there's been very much. You know, it, it's weird. City's movement has been weird. I don't think it's necessarily intentional that there are so many in and out at the same time. It's just kind of fallen that way. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas, yeah, there doesn't seem to be that many changes up and down the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there, there are going to be. It's going to be a weird season just structurally. You've mentioned there the World Cup. We're going to have like a month, maybe even longer, because of the rest, rest and preparation periods either side. Um, but from November to the new year, there's going to be no Premier League football. So that's going to certainly be a strange one. Um, and then um, after that, um, as well as that, you sorry, there's going to be five substitutes in the Premier League next year, kind of bringing that back. How do you think that's going to impact um, the Premier League going forward, John? Um, is it something that will benefit Guardiola? He's certainly been one of the managers who've been um, hoping for it for, um, since he got taken away after the COVID period. Yeah, Guardiola's been using every opportunity to call for it. And then when he gets it in the Champions League and in the FA Cup, he never uses five subs. So I doubt it'll change a lot, to be honest. But in theory, it should give him the options to make those changes and, and rest those players. So if City are 3 4 nil up, then then he can bring on like Cole Palmer or, or someone like that and rest his sort of more senior players and especially in defence where it's looking quite thin, especially in the fullback areas, that might be a time to really use those extra two subs in the last few minutes just to ease the burden on like Kyle Walker and, and Jao Cancelo. I can I can see Guardiola using it, but not just for the sake of it, because he's shown that when he has the opportunity to use five subs, he doesn't always do it. Um, and we saw in the community shield the other day he didn't use the, the six available. He kept on did he only make three substitutions? So um yeah, he, he won't use them if he doesn't feel he needs to, but I think he will appreciate that 
he has that option now. Um, and he's, he's been calling for it for ages. So uh, you, you would think that he has a plan and, and w- would like to use them. Mm-hmm. Well, he'll get the first opportunity to do so on Sunday. So City get their Premier League defence underway against West Ham. Um, how, how do you see this game going? West Ham have been kind of a difficult opposition for City in the past. Of course, they, they drew 2-2 on the penultimate game of last season, which kind of made, uh, made for the dramatic final day scenes we all got to witness once again. Um, they've uh, West Ham, they've, they've, they've had a decent summer. They've brought in um, a striker very highly rated from Syria in Gianluca Scamacca, I'm going to go with. Um, but that's And then they've got made Alfonso Areola permanent. But apart from that, it's been pretty quiet. Do you see and then proving to be another kind of tough test um, on Sunday? Yeah, I really rate West Ham. I think David Moyes has done a terrific job there. And um, lots of exciting players in that team uh, with like Rice and Bowen and then the new addition. Um, it's going to be very hard. I think Moyes, more than almost any other manager, can set his team up to sort of frustrate City. Uh, and the last two games, West Ham have given City kind of absolutely no space in the box whatsoever. They've let them have as much time and space on the wings as they like uh, with Mares and others and just said, try and get in the box. And City have struggled to do that. Um, so it's going to take something quick, direct. Uh, you'd be looking to De Bruyne, Haaland, um, Foden, those kind of players, Grealish maybe, to sort of make that impact um, and make the breakthrough. And maybe maybe it works playing West Ham early in the season because you can catch them cold uh, when they're not sort of fully organised and into sort of the the long training routines that, that Moyes has them has them doing. But it, it's, yeah, it's a tough game. And I think, you know, every, every sort of title contender wants to start with a win on the first weekend. But I don't think a point at, at West Ham would be too bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Joe, City obviously lost on their opening day of last season in London when they fell to a 1-0 defeat to Tottenham. Um, so losing the first game isn't a catastrophe by any stretch of the imagination. But City will want, want to start strong, no doubt. Do you see Pep making many changes to the side that played in the Community Shield? No, I think he'll keep it largely the same. I would back Nathan Ake to start because I think he's had a good pre-season. I think he was better than Ruben Diaz in the Community Shield and John Stones hasn't played for the senior team yet in pre-season. So I, th- I think the defence will probably say the same. Again, midfield picks itself really. Uh, Rodri, De Bruyne, Bernardo. Gundogan's another one who hasn't had that many minutes and he will come in and play a big part in the future in later in the season. But now I wouldn't really make any changes to that. And the only real change I would consider was maybe putting Foden on on the left instead of Grealish. I think Grealish has done well in pre-season. He looks a lot more motivated and ready to get the ball and get at the the, the fullback. But yeah, maybe Foden could be a little bit more direct. And in, if, if it is going to be one of those tight games and West Ham are quite solid defensively, maybe his sort of work in those little spaces might might work as well. But if Grealish started, I think City would do quite well. He obviously had a good game there at the end of last season. Um, he's got a lot of form. So I think it will be pretty similar. Then you've got players like Julian Alvarez who can come off the bench and do what he did last weekend and, and cause a nuisance. And I think there's there's options, but I would expect it to be fairly similar just to keep a little bit of momentum and build that fitness up with the players who are playing. 
Yeah, absolutely. And before we move on to our predictions, side just quickly, what's the latest on kind of City's left back hunt? Because we, as we, you know, as I said earlier, literally as we kind of pressed end on the recording on Monday, Chelsea's interest in Cucurella came to light, and it's not it's not looking good on that front with Brighton holding firm on their asking price stuff. Yeah, I mean, as expected, Brighton are holding firm and City are holding firm in refusing to meet that price. So it's not looking like City are going to get him. Um, they've had other targets on the list for a few weeks now and they will have to go for for one of those. Um, but there's not, I mean, there's not that much noise around at the minute. Maybe City are working very well um, in the dark over it. Um, but just going to have to say, they've said they want a left back. So um, you just have to sort of back them to to go through with it, really, because they do need one. Mm-hmm. Yes, they certainly do, but they still have a lot of time to go. Still over just over uh, just under a month to get any deal off the line as the season begins. But as we said, the season does begin on Friday night, which means it is, of course, time for our predictions for the season. I will go, I will say the uh, category. We'll go to Joe, then we'll go to Sai. Just one word. We'll keep it brief. If you want a little little bit of an explainer, do feel free. But I think Joe's already well over um, his uh, shift time, so he no doubt want to get on, get off, and enjoy the sunshine. So let's begin the predictions, Joe. With who will be the Premier League winner for this season? City. Don't think you can look past City. Simon. Yeah, same. I do agree as well. Joe, next top four going from second to fourth. I've gone Liverpool, Tottenham and Chelsea. Simon? Same. I've gone Liverpool, Tottenham and Arsenal. I think the roadshow at Stamford Bridge might come to a screeching halt, so we'll soon see. Um, Now next, Joe, the bottom three. I've just gone for the promoted teams. I don't think the the signings have been been that good, so Bournemouth, Forest and, and Fulham. Simon? Same. We are all in agreement. I have gone the same. I do think of any Fulham, but... May stay up, but we'll get on to why I don't think they will momentarily. Joe, FA Cup. Um, probably Arsenal. They, they like an FA Cup, don't they? Simon? Uh, I've gone for Liverpool, actually. Ooh, I've gone for City for that one. Joe, League Cup. I, I reckon it's time that Spurs have a trophy, so I'll give, I'll give Spurs the League Cup. Ooh, Simon? Uh, Liverpool again. Wow. Oh, is it going to be... Is this next this season? It's going to be an absolute repeat of the previous one. I have gone for... United to finally end that trophy drought. Um, a little bit of paint over the cracks, of course. Uh, Joe, top scorer? Erling Haaland. Simon? Salah. I've also gone for Erling Haaland. Joe, top assister, because that's the category now. Probably if, if De Bruyne can make it work with Haaland, which he hasn't in the last couple of games, then De Bruyne, but maybe Jungmin Son as a, as a backup. Simon? De Bruyne. I have gone for some myself, actually. Next, the first manager to be sacked, Joe. Um, Marco Silva, but also maybe Jesse Marsh, because I don't think Leeds are mm. going to be that good. Simon? I went for Lampard. Oh, yeah, very, very, very good show. I have gone for Marco Silva, but outside bet, I could see two cool going pretty soon. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Maybe not sacked, but maybe walking on his own volition. Same as Silva, to be honest with you. Because those the neighbour clubs do seem both to be a bit of a bit of a um a bit of a circus at the minute. Uh, Joe, best signing. Um, Raheem Sterling, I said. Ooh, Simon, I've gone for Haaland. 
Mm-hmm. I have gone for Haaland, but in brackets, Joe Rebo. I think he's going to have a mint season. Joe, flop signing. Jesse Lingard. <laughs> Simon. He's not who you need in a battle. <laughs> um, I've gone for Coutinho. Oh, yeah, smart. Does count because he has signed permanently. I will go, well, I'm torn between two, but I, I think I'll go for Koulibaly. I think he's come too late. And I think he might, might not go too well for him. Um, Joe, Dark Horse. Um, it's not really Dark Horse, but I think Newcastle will take advantage of everyone else not doing much and build on the momentum last season. Sam? I think Brentford will continue to do very well. You've stolen my line. I agree. I think <laughs> I think everyone's predicting them to have like the second season syndrome, but I think they've kind of they've they've signed smartly and quietly. And I think with everyone else not really improving, I do see them being absolutely steady. And then finally, um, it's a bit of a one open to interpretation. This one, um, a bold prediction or a strange prediction that you think may occur throughout the campaign, Joseph. Yeah, I wasn't sure, but I think Leicester are going to struggle. Maybe not in a relegation battle, but I, I don't think they'll be. Anywhere near the top half, I think they'll be firmly bottom half. And Simon? Yeah, I, I don't know if it's bold or not, but I, I would predict both Leicester and Wolves to be um, mm-hmm. far, far lower than mm-hmm. people might think. It's, it could be a great relegation battle this year with the three promoted teams not looking good. Then you've got Wolves, Everton, and Leicester all looking like they could still be sinking. It could be a very good, but my bold prediction I think Tottenham will be top at Christmas. Um, but they'll be out of the Champions League group stages. So we'll see oh, how that all plays out. That is, that is a bold prediction, to mm-hmm, be fair. Mm-hmm. Well Conte, tell you, he gets out of Europe, doesn't he? He wants out quick. But then, sadly for them, he'll probably fall away after Chris. Well, but, sorry, not by Chris, by the World Cup. Shall we change it to that? I've forgotten, Albert. The, yeah. uh, the calendar's very strange this year. So we'll soon see. It's certainly going to be another intriguing, exciting Premier League season, and we'll have it all covered right here on the Manchester Evening News. Uh, We'll be back next week for the complete review and analysis and discussion on City's opening weekend match against West Ham. Hopefully, we'll be talking about a victory. Um, We'll soon find out. Of course, you can listen to the episode right here, wherever you get your podcasts from, or catch us uh, live on Facebook. And for all the analysis in the written word, you can go over to the manchestereveningnews.co.uk forward slash Manchester City. You can get our social medias. It's Twitter at Man City MEN. And Facebook is the Manchester Evening News Manchester City Facebook page. Thank you once again for listening to us and we'll see you soon. It's a wrap.